Well, hey, welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. I am your host, and in this episode, by popular demand, it's my recap of TFCon Los Angeles 2022. Now, I uh, I, I guess I I need to throw a warning, kind of like a little bit of a disclaimer, uh, before we get any further. Um, this podcast is not specifically like a, a, I don't know what I would call it, a, a journalistic recap. Uh, this is kind of more my personal experience. Um, I'm going to talk about some of the things that I did at TFCon, uh, some of the things I did with my friends. Um, it is not a comprehensive uh, play-by-play of each individual panel. There was there was a lot of stuff that I didn't see. There was a lot of stuff I didn't do uh, because I was uh, um, hanging out and uh, doing the the friendship thing. Uh, so. If you are looking for a fully comprehensive recap of everything that happened uh, and all of the events surrounding uh, TFCon Los Angeles, you might want to look somewhere else. But in thinking about that, it, it kind of makes me wonder who is covering this event like uh, from from like a media standpoint like I, I know there there are several uh, transformers uh, based podcasts and news sites and websites and blogs and things like that and I I I don't really see a whole much from the transformers media I'm not exactly sure what to take from that and I um I, I, I mentioned in my TFCon preview that, that I recorded uh, Friday morning um, after I arrived uh, in Burbank. Um, I don't know if there were a ton of representatives of, I guess, what you would consider uh, Transformers media, like, you know, uh, again, like podcasters and 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 folks that I, I mentioned earlier. Um I don't know where I'm going with that, but it was just just kind of like a stray thought that I have. Uh, but as I said, just kind of full disclosure, this is just kind of like my personal recap. Um, and I do want to thank everyone who hit me up on Twitter and talked to me at the show, uh, encouraging me to do this episode. Uh, I might not have done it otherwise. Um, it is a, it's a very satisfying feeling when people are beating down your door uh, figuratively and literally saying, Hey man, uh, are you going to cover this on your podcast? Or are you going to talk about it? So, so yeah. So with that being said, let's uh, let's just dive in. Uh, first of all, I I should say that I had an amazing time. It was exactly the trip I needed at exactly the right time. I was away from work just long enough for it to feel far, far away. And I was able to actually genuinely relax and kind of put my focus somewhere else, which is uh, something that was uh, very welcome. Um, it was terrific seeing my friends again and for meeting new friends and for meeting uh, digital friends in real life. And I got to tell you, it's it's weirdly humbling and flattering uh, the amount of folks who stopped me on the show floor to talk to me. Uh, I got to like, wait, aren't aren't you Mike Seibert from the Mike Seibert radio podcast? Um, and, and it wasn't people like messing with me. It, it was, uh, it was genuine. I had a couple things. It's like, like they would look at me for a few. It's like, don't you have a podcast? Uh, so yeah, that, that was uh that was pretty cool and felt uh, really great 
because uh, usually it's like YouTubers and and those kinds of folks that that kind of get that um, uh, that adulation. But um, um, so on Friday, I, uh, I I had a I had a huge breakfast. You might have seen pictures of it online. Um, I hung out with Mahalo Mike for a few. Uh, later, I went back to the pool and splashed around in uh, in the swimming pool for a while. I I honestly I can't remember the last time I'd actually been swimming in a swimming pool. Um, uh, that night. I hooked up with my buddy Yoshi uh, from uh, TransformersReanimated.com, uh, as well as uh, Johnny Utah. We got together for dinner, and we got our wristbands for the show, and and I, I have a little bit of a, a rant just kind of like right off the bat. I I understand that it's a cost-saving choice, um, you know, giving folks wristbands and telling them to put them on the wrists, and you know that that's that's basically your your ticket, your pass for the convention for the weekend. But I gotta tell you, I hate being that guy, but it it, it sucks having to shower while wearing a plastic uh, wristband all weekend. Not necessarily my favorite thing. It's it's uh, again, it's not the big deal. It's kind of kind of first world problems but it's it's very odd and like weirdly uncomfortable i guess it's it's just it's just a bizarre sensation um anyhow from there i went to go watch the five faces of darkness panel with jim Sorensen and flint dilly uh the the presentation was actually really concise and had a ton of cool Easter eggs and deleted scenes. Uh, like like one of the interesting things that my uh, my buddy Ryan King told me after I missed the first part of the panel was that apparently Shockwave was originally intended to be featured pretty extensively, uh, being cast as one of like the oldest Transformers as, as uh, interacting with the Quintessons, but. Hasbro rejected that because, as many of us know, that know that uh, Shockwave's toy had been discontinued, and so apparently Shockwave was replaced with Blitzwing after the rewrites. So anytime you see Blitzwing, uh, the next time you watch Five Sa- Five Faces of Darkness, just imagine that being uh, Shockwave. But but yeah, no, it it was a great panel, and it was uh it, it was tight and bright and concise, um and actually wrapped up real tidy at uh, at ten o'clock. Uh, so between uh the the structure and information that the Jim Sorensen brought, that kind of reined in the more freewheeling, open-ended type of stories that Flint Dilly told. Now he told all kinds of like cool stories about you know working on the movie and working on Five Faces of Darkness and all that, but I'm. I'm just saying it's it was a little more uh, concise than I would have um, expected, um, and and I apologize after my uh, TFCon preview episode uh, that I posted on uh, Friday. Uh, Ryan Ambrose uh, commented on my t- uh, YouTube video and asked me to record that panel. And unfortunately, I just didn't have the gear available to do that. So um, uh, sorry about that. But he uh, um, he told me it was going to be different than the other one. So I, I think maybe Ryan knows either Flint or Jim or both um, uh, and indicated that Flint and Jim have a copy of the uh, five original scripts this time. So they have the original scripts for Five Faces of Darkness and and uh, a lot of the stuff that Jim Sorensen um referred to 
uh, was referring to early scripts, which uh, uh, Flint hadn't talked about before. So, yeah, so maybe these were recently unearthed, um, maybe when Flint was cleaning out his office last year, year before, whichever it was. Um, but after the panel, I, I ran into Trish and Josh from the More Than Meets the Ear podcast. Uh, they uh, they were both volunteering at the conventions, uh, rocking that yellow shirt aesthetic, and I got some exclusive gossip about their show. Well, it's not gossip. It's just more news. But but I asked them, and I could tell that they had already had a long day, even though it was uh, just Friday and the convention hadn't actually started yet. Friday, I guess, is like, I don't know what you would call it, like, a, I don't know, preview night or, um, uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, I, I'm over-explaining it. But anyway, uh, uh, More Than Meets the Ear was a podcast recapping every episode of Transformers Cybertron. And I, uh, I, I listened to it. I liked it. I was on an episode uh, with them. It's a ton of fun. Uh, but they hadn't released an episode since, uh, since October of last year. And at a time where they 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 looked pretty cooked they were pretty tired i was like so hey buddy how's uh uh what happened to y'all's podcast um how come no new episode uh was you know was there some kind of drama and well yes but also no uh, basically, as as Josh explained it to me, blame Jesus, um, or maybe Trish said that, but uh, either way, blame Jesus. Uh, so uh, Josh is a theater kid, and sometimes the call of the stage is too strong for him to not answer. He's uh, uh, so he he was off doing Jesus Christ Superstar uh, for a while and hadn't had time to get back to the podcast, and now he's off doing uh, Godspell. So um, so yeah, so he he's uh, he's answering the call of the theater. Uh, but they assure me that the podcast is a project they want to come back to, uh, but the timing just isn't ideal right now. So, um, uh, so yeah, so more than meets the ear will return, just not um, soon. <laughs> uh, from there, I and you know this this will be a common refrain that you'll hear a lot of uh, during this recap. But from there, I hit the bar and uh, hung around with a ton of great folks like Lita and Andy and Maddie. Uh, you know from the from the old Icon Squad, um, and it, and it was just so cool seeing folks in person. Um, but that's also the first time I really realized that this convention was going to be different from the previous TFCon LA from 2019. The bar closed at 10 on a Friday night. <laughs> um, uh, apparently it's a combination of uh, COVID guidelines and staffing shortages. And and I don't want to be a jerk about it, um, but the service was notoriously bad. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, there just wasn't enough staff to accommodate all of us thirsty nerds. Um, and, and I felt for the bar staff and I, I tipped heavily, even though the, the, the service wasn't great because like I could see the looks on their faces of just being like overwhelmed and kind of being, um, kind of in over their heads a little bit. So, um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily blame the bartenders themselves, but I, I can kind of have an axe to grind uh, with the hotel for um, staffing shortages. I mean, and, and a number of things um, uh, contributes to staffing shortages. It's probably not any one person's fault, but still it was uh, um, it, it was rough sledding at times. 
Um, but what was so dope about Friday night is that um, uh, the table I was at uh, hanging out with folks, it kind of became like a, a bit of a drinking draw, a drink and draw, I mean, uh, with, a, with a few different folks just kind of noodling in their sketchbooks while, uh, while we hung out. Um, I, I, I've talked about it a lot. But I really like that outdoor bar with, you know, all of all of the palm trees reaching for the open sky. Uh, uh, the place just has a great California feel to it. It feels like a California outdoor bar. Um, I, I spent a lot of time hanging out there throughout the weekend. Uh, so when I put it out there on uh, on my Twitter, uh, what you would like me to talk about while I'm talking about my experience at TFCon. My uh, my buddy Anthony Brucalli from uh, TFU.info told me, cover the unofficial fun you had. Uh, my friends and I had a saying, quote, BotCon keeps getting in the way of BotCon. Uh, uh, sometimes we had more fun not going to the fl- planned uh, convention events. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, like I mentioned in my TFCon preview episode, I didn't have a lot I wanted to do, you know, convention-wise. Uh, but then as the show went on, uh, as I was hanging out with my friends, I ended up doing even less than than the little bit that I had planned on doing, which, which is totally fine. I choose friendship. Uh, but Saturday morning... I hit the show floor for the first time and just kind of took it all in. And uh, I I was almost immediately overwhelmed by the amount of people there. It was packed uh, Saturday morning, those first couple hours. I think everybody had the same idea at the same time uh, to hit the show floor, probably uh, toy hunting if I were to uh, guess. Um I, I think it was just the bottleneck of people stopping and not knowing where to go. Uh, but I got to tell you, my anxiety was spiking for a good little bit there because like, I was just kind of like trapped in a sea of humanity. Now, granted, we're all wearing masks and everyone's vaccinated and things like that, but still just like my just being uh, around that many people uh, that's probably the most people I had been around in three years. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a little overwhelming and it's, it's always, uh, you know, I've been to a number of conventions and that always happens. That bottleneck where folks just pile into the room, but they don't know where to go because nobody has the lay of the land yet. Um, and really that was kind of the only time I had that overwhelmed feeling was like immediately on Saturday. But yeah, once once folks got their bearings, it wasn't so bad, but it was, uh, whew, I, I, I was getting the, the um, heebie-jeebies there for, for a sec. Um, but, but eventually I made my way around uh, the dealer room and hit up the ages three and up table and made my first purchase. I, uh, I grabbed that TFCon exclusive Masterminds Creations reformatted R46A Vexo Prominion Alternative Promenon, Prominion, I don't know. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Otherwise, it's uh, it, it's the Batman Transformer. Um, it's a third-party figure, and it's a spendy one. Uh, it's, it's the most I've spent on a single toy. Oh, gosh. Uh, probably in a long time, and probably, if I think about it, probably ever. Uh, but I, I really like the concept. Uh, but what really sealed the deal for me was... Um, 
seeing it out in the open. Uh, the nice folks at the table were, uh, they had it out of the package. They were messing around with it, actually transformed it back and forth um, a couple times. So for me, that tells me that uh, that's easy enough for me, which is great. Uh, the um, the nuance and the colors, uh, are, it's just brilliant. Uh, different shades of blue and silver and gray in there. Uh, but I, I, I'm... Mildly embarrassed to admit this. The the feature that sold me on this uh, uh, three-digit price point unlicensed transforming robot toy that may or may not be invoking Batman has a suede cape, and that uh, that deal sealed the deal for me. And there's like a like a pipe, uh, like bendable pipe around the edges, so you can pose the cape as well. And it just it, it looks and feels. Uh, cool. Now, I promised Robinist uh, I, I do at least an unboxing video, and I am going to try and do that sooner rather than later. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not specifically a third-party guy, uh, but I couldn't pass this one up. I, I know it's like the upteenth use of this particular mold, but I really like it. And for me, this, this is kind of silly, but I, in a weird way... I appreciate the audacity uh, for a toy company to infringe on two different intellectual properties at the same time. Like, how is this company not being sued? Um, uh, you know, at one point before I bought it, before I pulled the trigger on it, I was walking around with Yoshi and I and I even challenged him. I was like, hey, buddy, I'm really thinking about pulling the trigger on this. Try to talk me out of it, which which is kind of silly. But he uh he looks at the figure and with, you know, kind of like a, a kind of the, the precision that like a jeweler with a loop would look at something. He's kind of like looking at kind of cocking his head, him and Han. And then um, he steps back, collects himself and uh, very calmly says, look at the mouth. And I, I picked up the figure. I looked at it. I, I'm looking at, at, at the head sculpt, the face sculpt and, and ultimately the mouth. And I was like. I, I, I don't understand. I don't see it. And he kind of leans in close to, you know, so he could be polite. And he's like, it looks like a Lego man. What do you mean? Well, you know, he, he told me that it looks like a Lego man mouth, man mouth. <laughs> um, but no, basically, like it, it's not specifically inaccurate. He's not wrong. Basically, it, it's just kind of like a, a flat curved line and just kind of like a vague frown uh that's painted on there i don't even know if the mouth is uh, specifically sculpted um but either way while while he's not wrong wasn't enough to change my mind uh but later i met 80 steve uh from twitter uh me and utah were just uh going through his his booth uh, when uh, when this dude recognized from me from Twitter, he was like, "Hey, you're uh, you're uh, you're Mike Seibert, right?" And and that's another thing too. Like uh, I mentioned a moment ago that I had you know folks kind of you know hit me up and stop me and talk to me. Everybody got the pronunciation right, so that tells me presumably that they know me from the podcast. Because like if you're just seeing me on Twitter and you see that I post as you know uh, Mike Seibert. Um, you know, most people pronounce my name incorrectly, call me Mike Siebert. So, and, and that's how I know. So, like, if folks call me Mike Siebert, that tells me that they haven't listened to the podcast where, you know, it's very 
specific what it is but yeah it was it, it was just super cool and he had this uh this big old thick bible of uh, concept art from the 1986 and 1987 uh transformers line which which included a, a whole bunch of stuff from the movie um you know like concept art scripts things like that so i i sat there in that in that dude's booth and like flipped through this book for I don't know. I don't know for how long, but long enough to for uh, uh, my dude Johnny Utah to kind of drift away. I, I was like, "Oh, where'd he go? Oh, he's gone," <laughs> which is fine. You know, uh, you you can't hang out with everybody all the time, I guess. But on my way back to uh, the panel room uh, to watch a panel called "The Music of Transformers: The Movie," uh, it was a panel with Vince DiCola and Stan Bush. I, I saw this amazing cosplay. It was a, a sea spray uh, hanging out by the pool. Cracked me the hell up. Just like the the proportions, it was just it was just a very wholesome uh, looking uh, uh, cosplay. I, I and the the uh, geography of the convention is like there there's kind of like a gangway, like a causeway in between, like the the convention center that has the panel room and then kind of like the hotel lobby that has the panel room anyway you, so the this hallway which also kind of separates the swimming pool and the outdoor bar that's that's kind of like the main heavy traffic area so really in a sense if you want to meet anybody or see anybody or do anything just post up in the hallway and eventually you'll see everybody go by but anyway i was walking past and I kept walking, and then I stopped, kind of squeaked my sneakers. I stopped in my tracks and did that that backwards walk um, to uh, to go check out this uh, um, uh, cosplayer. Um, and it was kind of funny because like they they uh, must have seen me uh, because it was like you know they waved and I kind of waved back. And um, they they were with uh, someone who is also in uh, Starscream cosplay, and they see me and they like are gesturing me. You can't see it; it's a podcast. I'm waving my hand, but kind of like the "come over here" uh, motion. So so I went to the pool area, and um, uh, you know asked if I could take their picture. Which, by the way, public service announcement: um, if you're at a convention anywhere. There's always going to be folks doing cosplay, but um, always ask to take pictures. Uh, cosplay does not imply consent. So that means like, you know, sure, somebody's running around in uh, in costume, but that's not necessarily an invitation to just roll up to people and start taking their their picture uninvited. More often than not, folks will be more than happy uh, to uh, to pose for a photograph and and you know if you ask generally you're going to get a better pose than if you were like a creeper and snuck up on them but anyway that's that's just a old uh, old convention trick uh, life hack I guess um, but I I got this terrific shot of uh, sea spray by the pool and that actually ended up being a pretty darn viral tweet. Um, Last time I checked, it was up to like, I don't, I don't know, over 500 likes, almost 600 last time I checked. Um, so Lita had asked me on Twitter what my what my favorite, with a U, uh, what my favorite costume or cosplay was. 
And this was definitely it. I mean, I mean, there were so many terrific costumes there, especially from the folks from the Arizona Autobots. They they really came out and represented it. But my uh, my heart belongs to Sea Spray. Uh, um, I also love that Alan Oppenheimer autographed the costume uh, with uh, with the inscription "You are my Sea Spray." So it's just I I don't know. It's just. Um, something as simple as a uh transformer that that changes into a hovercraft hanging out by the pool uh and just you know i i don't know sea spray is just a just a um uh i don't know he's a soft boy i so i just i, I just i just thought it was so uh so wholesome and just you know very innocent fun uh but but from there it was uh it was back to the dealer room cuz i had uh, some autographs and uh that i wanted to get and uh, and folks were on a schedule. Incidentally, I should I should mention at uh, this point one. So there were like over forty voice actors, and I couldn't quite figure out how they were going to do the logistics for this. Were were they going to expand to other rooms? Where where were they going to put this these forty people? What they ended up doing was doing them in shifts. So like there was like a like a nine to noon group and like uh, like a one to three crowd. Um, I I don't know what was happening between noon and one now that now because uh, I oh duh because it would take that long to switch everything out. So basically like there was like twenty spots for for celebrities voice actors for for tabling and then uh one group would come in and then they would rotate out with the next group so that so that's that's how you can accommodate that many people which it which is brilliant because it it makes the lineup uh look big and impressive but by making the signing times more focused i think there's better bang for the buck for the uh for the folks actually selling autographs because i i got to tell you there is nothing more depressing and heartbreaking than seeing somebody at a table for hours on end with nobody coming by um it's it's just it, it, it's just not a good look and you kind of curtail that a little bit by having this uh, uh this type of rotation uh, but anyway, so I, so I went to go visit uh, Greg Berger, uh, voice of Grimlock, and John Machida Jr., uh, voice of Blur, uh, to get them to sign my Fathom Events Transformers the Movie poster, um, along with Stan Bush. And um, I, I saw on Twitter that Amber X had asked me uh, who all has signed my poster. So um, let me see. Um, okay, so, so the poster art was done by Livio Ramadelli. It's the, the poster art for the 30th anniversary, uh, Shout Factory, uh, Blu-ray of Transformers the movie. He did the cover art and basically during the, uh, first Fathom event screening, they handed out these posters. I, I've told the story before, but, um... I don't know. I tell it again. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the uh, so I, I I tell it this way because Levio was actually the first person to sign it, um, and so I I just thought that was cool. You know, it's his art, and I told him about the project and and what I was doing. But anyway, so so um, 
in terms of folks who have signed the poster, I've got Livio Ramadelli, the artist. Um, I also got uh, Jack Angel, who is now since passed away. Uh, Michael Bell, Flint Dilly, Neil Ross, Vince DiCola, uh, Doug Booth. Uh, Dan Givazan, Ron Friedman, Paul Eiding, and of course, the one and only Arthur Berghart. Uh, now, there are tons of voice actors there at TFCon, but the stipulation I have for getting autographs on this particular poster is that they are folks that needed that um, they needed to be folks that participated in Transformers the movie. So it's a Transformers the movie poster and that's, you know, I mean, so like, I mean, I, I could have had all kinds of other folks, you know, like Morgan Lofting was there, the voice of Baroness and uh, all that, but it's like she wasn't in the movie. So, um, so yeah, it, uh, that, that saved me a buck or two actually. But, um, but anyway, that, that's, uh, that's the poster. Um, but I got to tell you, it was fun to go through the lines for Stan Bush and Vince DiCola because those are two guys that have both been guests on my podcast before. Um, I bought a CD of Stan Bush's new album, Dare to Dream. Uh, it's a terrific album. I've got it on digital, but I wanted to have a, a physical edition for him to um, autograph. Um and I just didn't want to pay for the shipping. Um, but but it was great uh, being able to thank him personally for not just for particip- his participation in Transformers the movie, but also for being a guest on my podcast. Um, same thing when I was talking to uh, Vince DiCola and his manager, Peter, uh, who both of them just like lit up. Um, not, not just when I introduced myself, you know, Hey, I'm Mike Seibert from Mike Seibert radio. You're on my podcast. But I also mentioned to them, uh, George Soroy, uh, who also had, uh, both Vince and Peter on, on his podcast Excelsior journeys as a guest. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, and, and George says, hello. Well, I'm assuming George says, hello. I didn't, I didn't actually ask George to say hello but anyway, anyway i i'm sure he would appreciate it all the same uh but yeah i mean it was it was just it, it was a great feeling it was just really nice to see vince with a warm smile he was he had a had a great smile and he was you know just kind of bobbing his head as he was doing autographs uh saying he really enjoyed being on those podcasts um but you know a- after all of that excitement it was time for lunch and had to had to um, refuel and take more pictures of food. Uh, me, uh, me, and Utah, we uh, we split a few snacks and watched folks play around by the pool. And I, I'm trying to remember, trying to remember what we did from there. Did we just walk around the dealer room some more? Oh, um, no, that's right. I um, I was connecting with the comic book creators uh i got to meet uh tyler blazinski he was uh, uh splitting a table with uh with levio and i bought the whole run of constructor cons rising from him he was the uh writer on that that first story arc uh kind of the contemporary constructor cons 
uh, origin story for the for the um, Transformers Galaxy series. Uh, but this was a dude I had been meaning to connect with uh, uh, for some time because there was just something about that series that that just kind of struck me and got my attention. And and I know it's a story he had been pitching to IDW for years. I think it took him like six years of uh, a pitching for the time to be right for that series. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things with, uh, with the comic book industry is like, you know, if you work on a comic, like if you're, you know, artist or writer, you get uh, a certain allocation of comps, you know, copies of the book that are comped to you by the company. And I've learned in recent years that, uh, you know, I used to be the guy that, that would bring like entire long boxes of my own stuff to get autographed. Well, obviously, traveling to a convention makes that, uh, especially if you're flying, makes that less conducive. But one of the things that that I've also kind of learned in my um, interest of supporting artists more directly is that I would rather buy comps off the artist's table rather than bringing my own copies that I've already bought and paid for. Sometimes even if if I end up with doubles like I have with uh, uh, Constructicons Rising, but I just I just wanted to make sure and and uh, uh, support the project and support the artist and and just uh, uh, buy them off his table. So that so that's why I did. And um, yeah, it was it, it was pretty sweet too. He uh, uh, kicked in a retailer poster uh, for Constructicons Rising that that I was able to get some extra signatures on as well, including uh, Casey Collar and Josh Burcham, who uh, um, who also worked on that on that um, on that cover. Uh, but it, it's a great book. Um, if you want to read a completely new take on the origins of the Constructicons, I think you'll dig Constructicons Rising. It uh, um, it's only been collected in like the hardcover. Uh, it's like in the first volume of IDW two, which is kind of unfortunate. I would kind of wish the Galaxies would just kind of get its own um, uh, collected edition, or at least. Constructicons Rising, but it's a it's a neat little story arc. It it deals with all kinds of uh, themes of classism, uh, haves and have nots, and and a little bit of a, about addiction as well. But um, uh, the the spotlight of the series, I think, is that it kind of gives us the creepiest version of the Constructicons I've ever seen, and made them scary. Also, like scary and creepy, um, I, I guess would be a good way to put it. But um, but as I was bombing around, I, I caught up with Andrew Griffith and I ran into Lady of Wreck also, uh, which was so cool. But uh, but the spotlight panel for Saturday was the Transformers War for Cybertron cast Q&A that was hosted by Rick Alvarez. And this was the biggest panel I think I've ever seen at a TFCon. I, uh, I I just went back through the pictures I posted, and I counted 16 people up on stage. Now, a lot of them were voice actors, uh, but there were a couple writers as well, including showrunner F.J. DeSanto. Now, your mileage may vary with regards to the Transformers War for Cybertron series. I'm kind of in the middle of the road. It's not my favorite. I don't particularly like it. 
but I don't specifically hate it either. So both camps, I I kind of don't see where they're coming from. The folks that you know just hate it dead, or the folks that that love it earnestly. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Um, I I'm I'm glad that there's a new contemporary show for for folks to check out. Um, but I think for me, uh, the brooding, earnest, uh, self-serious tone is for uh, maybe for folks that are just a little younger than me, kind of similar to that the Batman um, or uh, really anything that DC Comics has been doing for the past few years to say nothing about the the DCEU stuff, you know, like the Snyder stuff and things like that. I, I'm kind of at a weird age now. I'm in my mid-40s, but like I'm I'm at that weird age where I've kind of had my fill of dark, grim, and gritty stuff. So I'm actually kind of more interested in material that's a little lighter on its feet. Like the stuff I'm most interested in and buying at TFCon uh is uh is you know, Soundwave being round and adorable. You know, I, I'm th- I that that soft content really kind of strikes a chord with me, and you know, kind of as I've been dipping my toe more and more into fan art, that not necessarily thick, but you know, just kind of like cute representations. You know, kind of like what one of the things you see me tweet about often is wholesome content is wholesome. And I think that's the kind of stuff that that um, speaks to me, just to just to kind of indicate where my taste is. Um, all of that is to say that you know the the Netflix War for Cybertron show is not really to my current specific taste, but I am glad that folks who like it like it, and that there's something for them to. Uh, that that resonates with them, and you should enjoy things. You know, it's like you know, it's like Aunt always says. You know, just just enjoy stuff. Um, and and I don't think we should be tearing each other down for what we like and don't like. But um, I I, I guess that that that's a long um uh, preamble for my thoughts on on uh war for cybertron because i really haven't talked about it all that much now that i think about it but it's uh yeah it's fine i'm glad i watched it i i i'm i'm glad it exists but it's kind of kind of largely not for me um but that is to say though that this this panel was largely a celebration of the show you know talking about the themes and the challenges of putting the show together um, the audience Q and A was was really very good, and the enthusiasm was palpable. Like the folks that were in that room were there to see and celebrate something that they liked. Uh, folks seemed to be especially excited for Lindsay Rousseau as as Alita One. There uh, there was a specific shout out to the Alita Army, which uh, which made that side of the room. Uh, very happy and and that's the stuff I'm talking about it's like you know when um you, you want to see your your character represented and and it latches onto you and that's that's what's important um so on the whole though 
I uh, it, it gave me the sense, you know, just like the, this basking in the enthusiasm for the show, it gave me the sense that I might need to give the show another day in court, you know, watch through uh, the trilogy again of uh, uh, Siege, Earthrise, and uh, Kingdom. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I've, I've since put that out on Twitter and have had responses to that. I've mentioned that to folks in person and have had responses to that. And overwhelmingly, the response is, yeah, you don't need to go back and that uh, rewatching is not necessarily rewarded. But um, I think I'll check it out anyway, just to, you know, perhaps uh, definitively confirm one way or the other. Uh, but during that panel, uh, showrunner F.J. DeSanto made a remark that uh, that they had uh, the the team that worked on the War for Cybertron series that they had pitched a series for Transformers Legacy. That's the latest toy line, and uh, they pitched Legacy as a, as a sequel series to War for Cybertron, uh, but that. Netflix had passed on it. And this is this uh, this segment here that that I'm going to get into. This is kind of what I was referring to earlier, what I was specifically talking about when I'm talking about the lack of media coverage for this convention, because if you heard about that, that that. Uh, FJ and the team had pitched Legacy and that Netflix passed. If you heard about it on social media, chances are you probably saw that news from my tweet. And I'm not saying that because like, oh man, I'm a meme lord and like, you know, give me clout. It's not that. It's that why is the news coming from me? Um, It should be coming from like, I... I, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, Allspark or Unicron.com or 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 even even Sabertron, for Christ's sakes, you know, just, uh, um, you know, all all of the folks that kind of um, want to be first. How is it that like a podcaster from Seattle ends up being first on this? Uh, but anyway, I, I tweeted that out during the panel. And it ended up kind of going medium viral. In fact, I, I saw screenshots of that tweet in a bot posting and and a few other groups on Facebook. Um, and as near as I could see everywhere I saw it posted, uh, the, the tweet got ratioed pretty hard. Um, so, so the tweet that I put out was very simple. I just wrote, per FJ DeSanto, they had a series for Transformers Legacy planned uh, had had a series for Transformers Legacy planned out, but Netflix passed on it, and that was it. That that was that was all I tweeted out, um, and the response was almost unanimous that that news was for the best. That um, I I mean there were a couple of supporters, but mostly the folks who interacted with that tweet were not all that excited to see more from this team in this world. Now, I don't want to derail too much and go on too deep of a tangent, but there are a few things I would like to address with regards to the War for Cybertron series and um, 
you know, I, I had mentioned a moment ago that, you know, it's fine and I'm glad it exists, but uh, I, I guess something that I have to put on the record for myself, because I might not have up to the this point, my biggest criticism of the show is the voice acting and how it feels inconsistent throughout the show, which is a very awkward take for me to have, uh, considering that I was talking about how much I really enjoyed um, that panel with the voice actors. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like now after, after a couple days of marinating on it, it, it feels to me just based upon the interaction and, and the way uh, folks were talking to each other and we're interacting with the audience. It feels to me like the voice actors and everyone else involved we're working on a completely different show than the one that we actually saw on screen. Let me give you an example. Uh, the the guy who voices Bumblebee in particular really made a compelling case for this incarnation of Bumblebee, his, his motivation and what sets him apart from other incarnations of Bumblebee. And like, you know, in the moment you know, kind of getting caught up in it. The, the, this dude sold me on a spinoff prequel series about Bumblebee just being a jaded gunrunner and working for Soundblaster. Like, like that sounds kind of cool. Um, or, or at least it did a, a, at the time. And, you know, it, it was just interesting to hear the individual actors kind of talk about their various takes on the characters. Um, so, I, I asked a question, you know, as a member of the audience, and I, I asked the, the question of the panel, and I, I phrased it as diplomatically as I could, um, but I asked about the incongruity between some of the performances, uh, because some of them skew very G1, uh, but others are are very different. Like like for example, uh, you know Joe's performance as as Bumblebee specifically, and the answer I got was that the vocal performances match the character and the scene. That that was that was a common refrain. I heard that a couple times. That it's like you know it matches the character in the scene. So from that, I would imagine that the more serious, earnest characters have various, very uh, uh, serious, earnest voices. Uh, Serious, earnest characters have serious, earnest voices. (laughs) Uh, Whereas other characters can kind of cut loose a bit, like like Frank Dodaro's Starscream, for example, or even uh, Jason Marnoka as as, uh, Megatron. Um, Unfortunately, though, I, I would say, though, that that response kind of underscores my problem with what I perceive to be inconsistency. So, like, for example, Starscream sounds like Starscream. Wheeljack sounds like a very Jersey-esque G1 Wheeljack. But the other characters just kind of sound generic, unfortunately. Like, uh, you know, the, there there were voice actors like the the uh, guy that plays Ultra Magnus, the guy that plays Prowl, the guy that plays Hound. And 
unfortunately, again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody's uh, voice talent, but all of those voices are like weirdly unremarkable and indistinguishable. Whereas the dude doing wheel jackets, like I, I can feel what he's he's going for. And when he's sharing scenes with Ironhide and Ironhide just sounds like a dude, um, it, it, it's just very odd. So I, I understand what what the uh, folks are saying when like you want the voice to match the scene and you don't want to go for outright impression. Uh, but this is also a, a show that's kind of like the, the centerpiece of it is built on impression. I don't want to, you know, open up a huge can of worms and go on and on about Jake Fauci's uh, performance as as Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. But like one of the things that, that really kind of stuck with me weird was that it was said that, you know, in in season one in Siege that, you know, they, they really wanted to capture that Peter Cullen impression. Um, and that's. Certainly something that happened, but it was also said that as the other seasons went on with uh, Earth Rising Kingdom, that it was more less about the Peter Cullen impression as it was just um, finding the character or doing your own thing. I didn't write it down, so I don't remember what the exact quote is. I'm paraphrasing, but basically like um, when when it was said it's like oh yeah and we just kind of let him make the the role his own and i remember kind of looking over at the dude i was sitting with i'm like yeah but that's that's not good it's not good it's not a good performance um the the impression is fine but um i i heard from a podcaster that i'm really good friends with that you know voice acting is little v big a and I think that Optimus Prime performance being the centerpiece of the show is a big damn problem. Um, I would, you know, and it's just weird. Like at a time when we're talking about like the the voice matching the character and the scene, then don't rely on the impression then. Um, run far the other direction. I mean, like, you know, again, I, I don't I, I I hate um reduction by comparison, but uh, you know, look at what David Kay did with with a arguably kind of the same style of Optimus Prime. Like, you know, the the Optimus of Transformers Animated, which honestly I, I have not watched a lot of but it's my understanding that that version of the character is very novice and is very much not the optimus prime that we know him to be you know basically robot jesus robot space jesus um so david k's performance is not that um neither is the War for Cybertron version of Optimus Prime also. I, I, if I remember correctly, he's just got the Matrix. So he's freshly Optimus Prime, and that ex- that kind of explains why he's not very smart and not very capable and not really good at his job and not really good at being Optimus Prime. And I don't 
Oh, man, this 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 is a whole can of worms that I, that I can't litigate here when I'm trying to recap TFCon. But it's like I don't know if I want that. Like at a time where Rodimus Prime is a character that exists, give all of that self doubt and angst to Rodimus. That's a Rodimus story, not necessarily an Optimus story. Now, again, I, I, I don't know if it's hypocritical for me to say that, you know, but the idea of the TFA version of Optimus sounds appealing, you know, where he's kind of like finding his way. But um, I don't know. It's it's just odd where I think part of the reason why uh, Alita 1 ended up being such a breakout character from War for Cybertron is because she's so goddamn capable (laughs) in a way that Optimus is not. And it kind of underscores how much that character kind of sucks. I I don't like this iteration at all. Kind of, kind of reminds me of IDW Optimus in in a way. Um, And, you know, like, I mean, I I don't want to say that G1 Optimus is the gold standard, but it kind of is because like the, the thing that people forget about G1 Optimus is that he's kind of a goof, you know, he's kind of, kind of a, um, I don't know. He, he's, he's, uh, I mean, Ron Friedman says it best. He, you know, he refers to Optimus Prime as big daddy. And I think that that's, that's it. He's, he's dad. And, and, you know, sometimes dad is kind of a goof, you know, playing basketball and, and uh, telling people to compute fast and, you know, and is sometimes uh, lighter on his feet and makes mistakes and admits it. Um, Optimus Prime from G1 is a good dude. He's, he's, he's a really great character. And another thing that folks forget and it's weird because like I, you know, I point to Transformers the movie as as my favorite movie, but that version of Optimus Prime, which I think directly informs the Michael Bay inter- iteration, you know, the uh, uh, you know, stoic earnest murder prime, that that is the version of Optimus Prime that we see in Transformers the movie because that evolution of the character has had enough. By the time he gets to Earth and he calls out Megatron, one shall stand, one shall fall, it's not because he's trying to be badass. He is badass, but it's like, I have had enough of this. Too many people have suffered. Too many of my friends have died. This ends now here today. I have had enough. So so there's like a weariness and exhaustion to it, but... When people look at that performance in Transformers the movie as a singular thing and think that that's all that Optimus Prime is, I think they get it wrong. That's just my two cents. But uh, because, I mean, that Optimus Prime is the dude that that 20 years earlier was playing basketball and, you know, has has gone through some stuff and has been changed and and. Uh, um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, to, to kind of get back onto uh, war for Cybertron, I guess, I guess the thing that, that really irks me is the slow pace of the dialogue and all the Shatner esque pausing, help me Spock, help me. That wasn't even a Shatner line. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I think I am really starting to think now 
that what was presented uh, was not what the actors performed. Um, because, like, the, again, these these voice actors talking to each other, you, you could feel a camaraderie, even though they recorded all their lines uh, separately and, and uh, kind of like a weird connection of sorts. And I don't think that they recorded their lines the way that we heard them in the show. Uh, but anyway, back, back to this tweet. Um, and I'm, as, as you can already tell, I'm kind of bouncing around um, all over the place. But by Sunday, that, that tweet had made the rounds and uh, F.J. DeSanto had seen it and he was responding to it. Um, an earlier commenter had posted, uh, uh, it was tweeting at me, I don't think I understand the tweet. Does this mean that the WFC trilogy ended on a cliffhanger? Question mark. To which I said, the same team that made the WFC trilogy had pitched a sequel series. Hasbro loved it, but Netflix hated it, so the project never went forward. There's no cartoon planned for Transformers Legacy. So that's when FJ chimed in. He says, quote, to be clear, Mike, even though I may have said it, Netflix didn't, quote unquote, hate the pitch. In fact, they liked it, but their mandates had changed and what we were proposing didn't fit that. Hasbro didn't want to shop it elsewhere because they want to keep their relationship with Netflix. Makes sense. I, I thanked him for clarifying um, and I put out a quote tweet you know, kind of kind of saying like, well, th- this is F.J. DeSanto giving context on the entire situation, which I-, I thought that was the right thing to do, because like I was putting something out there that that could be interpreted as either misquoting him or incomplete information. So I- I'm just trying to be honest and open and uh, doing a good journalism as best as I can when I can. But then this dude, so then FJ DeSanto responds with, excited for TFU eventual shit comment about how he hates the show. And I just don't know what to do with that, man. I, um, so I, I said it over to Ant at TFU.info and, uh, because I mean, it made me mad. I, I was actually kind of mad and I, I couldn't figure out how to respond or what to do. So, um, like, like I don't, I don't get where he's coming from. Um, also, especially knowing that, you know, I, I'm friends with Anthony. It's like, I wasn't going to not share that with him. Uh, but I, I guess, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I guess this wouldn't be the first time that my friendship with Ant has put me in hot soup. Uh, see also our BotCon episode. But uh, uh, but seriously, though, I, I'm, I am almost positive, pretty sure, Ant has never said he hated the show. Not once. It, in fact, he's, he's defended a lot of the stronger points in the series and really, honestly, at a time when several other Transformers media folks weren't. And I don't know, man, that's kind of fucked up, you ask me. Uh, but then later, uh, in the same uh, tweet chain, 
um, when I was thanking him for the clarification, uh, FJ responded uh, with, um, of course, man, thanks for covering it. Did I say hate during the panel? I can't remember. And I'm a touch dramatic. Okay, so so again, let, let me see if I can try to untie this knot. So from my recollection, FJ DeSanto never said specifically Netflix hated the pitch for Transformers Legacy. He just said on Friday night during that panel that Netflix had passed on the series. But on Sunday morning... During a completely different panel, this the, this was a uh, panel about writing for animation. It was uh, it featured uh, Doc Wyatt, Marty Eisenberg, uh, Stephen Melching, and Gavin Hynight and Kevin Burke. And at the tail end of that panel, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I I got in at the tail end to to get posted up for the next panel. Anyway, it was uh it was Gavin who had said that Hasbro loved the pitch, but that Netflix hated it. He said that specifically. F.J. DeSanto never specifically said that, uh, but I just want to keep the record straight as I can, as best as I can. But um, but it, it, it back to this Twitter thread, uh, F.J. also described the legacy pitch to me in a tweet saying, quote, it was it was to be the 40th anniversary celebration that culminated in something everyone really wanted for years. Also, the show was a dramatic change from WFC as it was lighter and more colorful as it was set centuries after WFC and would emphasize the fun of everything. See how colorful the legacy packaging is and you'll get the idea. So yeah, so so there it is. It, it it's out there in the open. Uh, they pitched Legacy, and it was passed on, and um, and we'll never know what it is. But from what has been described, sounds kind of cool. Uh, because I I I for one really dig the the synthwave vibe of the of the Legacy packaging. So, um, so yeah, I I don't know, man. But uh, but overall, that that was a really fun panel on Friday night. And I do also want to shout out Rick Alvarez for doing a great job hosting. Thought he did a good job. And and it was a fun way to close the night. Like, I, I'm very mixed and kind of all over the road in terms of the material that I'm talking about here. But as a panel discussion with a room full of people, yeah, it was, it was great. Kind of the highlight of the night. A lot of, um, a lot of fun. Um, and then though, from there, it was all about that nightlife, baby. Now, I, I've described this at other times already, but the the main bar we hung out at was was basically kind of in the middle of the hotel on the outside. Uh, th- there were benches and tables kind of around the perimeter along uh, along with plenty of tables and chairs, um, even a handful of like uh, oversized uh, oversized chairs with uh, with plushy pillows kind of around uh, fire pits, uh, plus obviously seats all around uh, that freestanding bar. Uh, such a cool place to hang out. It's it's uh, um, I, I don't know if I have a list of top bars, but th- this would definitely be on there because I have I, I've now grown a sentimental attachment to this particular place. Like I get the feeling like if I was ever in Burbank 
unrelated to Transformers stuff, I would probably make it a point to go to this bar if I can just to get a drink. You know, kind of just like you, you, you grow an attachment to a place, and, and I think I have an attachment to this place. But um, now I also want to say um, if uh, if I hung around with you during the weekend and I disappeared for large chunks of time. I, I sincerely apologize. Um, apparently, I'm a social butterfly, and I, I, I ended up just kind of like flitting around from like a handful of different groups. Like you know, I had uh, Mahalo Mike and Ryan King, my uh, my Seattle homies, um, who incidentally I only seem to hang out with when we travel for conventions. Um, I, I I saw Alita and Wazabi. They were they were uh, uh, they were rolling with a crew. Andy had a squad. Uh, the the IDW artists rolled in at uh, some point during the night, and uh, tons of other cool folks. Um, a lot of the fan artists uh, made their way into the bar area as well trish and josh came in uh but um i gotta tell you that the hit of the night of saturday night was there there was an appearance by a very special guest kermit the frog rolled in uh so uh um evan tainment um has this um i i don't know how to describe it i guess it'd be like a production quality muppet it's it's a kermit the frog puppet but like like the 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 this thing just screamed authentic like like the the um uh i i don't know the i i'm trying to figure out what i would call the coating i was gonna say like the felt his skin i i just uh words are escaping me right now but uh but yeah no just the 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 fabric the material the texture it was uh uh it was just spot on and um i mean just just the voice i mean just just so spot on that is a dude that needs to be doing more voiceover work so if you uh are are listening and know anybody that's in the mood for voice talent folks uh in the market for voice talent folks yeah, man. I mean, check out my dude Evan Tainment. He's he's terrific. And uh, while you're there, check out Evil Skeletoys on uh, YouTube, where where his uh, uh, Skeletor gives toy reviews. Uh, it's a uh, uh, tons of fun. My my Facebook is now full with like a half dozen different um, um, uh, spicy, provocative voicemail messages from Skeletor that I was considering playing here, but after listening to again. That is, that is uh, uh, not for an audience of anybody. So, but, um, but yeah, man, uh, Evan's a blast, and um, you know, uh, Kermit was a was a huge hit. So much so that uh, Frank Dodaro ended up uh, being Evan's best buddy, and he wanted to operate the the puppet too. That was tons of fun. I've got a couple pics on my social media. Uh, but really, I mean, the, the pictures don't at all convey just how fun uh, and, and spot on that that puppetry is. Um, it's it, it was it was just it was just so cool. And I, I could tell that Frank was having a great time with it, too, as they were just rolling up to people at the bar and Kermit was kind of like hanging on people's shoulders and and uh, uh, maybe engaging in some uh, consensual touching. <laughs> 
<laughs> like like rubbing your face. That that's what I mean. Uh, but anyway, that that was uh, that was a blast. But as um, as fun as the hang was on Saturday, I I was kind of bummed again be, between the COVID protocols and or the staffing shortages. They closed up shop early again. I I am pretty sure last call was at ten or ten thirty. Um, but the cool part about it being an outdoor space is that uh, we didn't specifically need to leave. They just wouldn't serve us anymore. Now, it's California, so it's nice, uh, but it's also California in March. So when it got later and later in the evening and they had turned off all the propane heaters, it, it, it was definitely getting a little chilly. Like, like we were kind of getting the hint. Um, later in the evening, there, there was this huge group that basically took over the lobby. Um, but I, for, for me at least that, that was kind of, that was kind of my, uh, my hint to call it and, and I packed it in. But, um, so yeah, I, ironically enough, not really any late nights on, uh, on this trip, which is, which is unusual. Like, you know, we, we had, um, a lot of discussions, about like whether it was rose-colored glasses or Mandela effect or something, but a lot of us seem to remember being out way past two o'clock and that we were drinking all night. So um, whether I, I would imagine the truth is somewhere in the middle. I mean, they probably did close at like midnight or something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I do remember kind of like bar hopping within the hotel because there there are like three different spots you could you could get drinks. But um, anyway, I I don't I don't know if we were like outside drinking until two. Um, but anyway, there there uh, uh, another thing that was interesting in terms of like the the late night hang. No room parties or uh, parts parties or or at least uh, what I could see on the bulletin board. Uh, somebody was advertising Transformers themed adult toys and um, not the kind of adult toys like their premium adult collectibles, the other kind of adult toys. But, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that and and I'm I'm just too much of a prude to to actually go check that out for myself. Um, now, uh, Sunday morning. That was that was kind of a slow moving day because, you know, even though the evenings weren't as late, I'm getting older and I'm moving slower, um, especially to start the day. And the time change did not help. Messed up my internal clock. Um, but then as uh, as me and Yoshi in Utah were were uh, getting coffee, we realized the show floor didn't open until 10 instead of nine. And we, we were hanging tough at like 930 or something like that. Um, we thought the show floor was going to open at nine, opened at 10. Um, so um, so what else do you do? It's time to go grab some breakfast drinks. I'd have a bloody Caesar. Do I know what? I'd have a Caesar, too. I could have a Caesar if you guys are having Caesars. Hard to see a Caesar not want a Caesar. That's actually how they market Caesars. Uh, from there, it was the Studio Series stop-motion panel with uh, Flint Dilly, Stan Bush, John Mashita, Greg Berger, Vince DiCola, Travis Ryan, Joe Troutman, and Francis Osley. Now, um, this was the panel more than anything else was the one that I couldn't miss because friends of mine were involved 
and I wanted to show up and show my support. Now, if you haven't heard of this project, uh, go to the Hasbro Pulse YouTube page. All five of the shorts are up there now for you to check out, and uh, and they're a ton of fun. Um, I think three of them were shown prior to uh, the Fathom event screening of Transformers the movie, the most recent one. Um, so it was, it was cool to see them up on the screen and it's nice to see them available on YouTube now, but that was a project that was really kind of the brainchild of Joe Troutman. He's the, uh, founder of the Transformers till all are one where fans and talent come together, uh, Facebook group. And it's, um, it, it's a great group. It's terrific. And it's, um, it's a safe space, for lack of a better term. Uh, it's a safe space. Uh, it better than some of the other groups that you might have come across and you might have been turned off from Transformers fans on Facebook. And I gotta tell you, I I'm in a bunch of these grosso groups, and the, and there's some there's some really nasty people out there, and there's some really nasty groups out there. Um, I, uh, I I was warned early on in coming into Transformers fandom to stay off of the message boards, but at the time, I don't think Facebook groups were as prolific, um, so I would give that advice to pay it forward. Uh, be careful with Transformers Facebook groups because, like, um, I, well, I guess it's, uh, you know, I, I want you to be empowered to make your own choices. I guess it just depends upon how you feel about casual misogyny. <laughs> that that's not casual so um that that seems to be a lot of the garbage content i see uh but anyway uh joe uh joe troutman he is friends with flint dilly and um they co-wrote the stories together and one of the things that they wanted to do with the stop motion project was add on to a few things from transformers the movie kind of like some like um unresolved business like what happened to the second Cyclonus? Uh, how was it decided which characters got discontinued? And who created Unicron? And is there more to Gnaw than meets the eye? Um, and and it, it was cool too because like Stan Bush got to do some character voice work, something he had never done before. And Greg Berger and John Mashita got to got to play around in ways that they hadn't before either. And it was uh, it, it seemed like everybody thought the project was pretty cool and seemed to generally enjoy it. Uh, but also, uh, metalheads, uh, you metalheads out there, you might know Travis Ryan from a band called Cattle Decapitation. I mean, I don't. Um, but now I'll need to check out their stuff. Uh, but it is an imposing Unicron performance. And, and also, uh, Trish, uh, she did a really cool flyer for the panel. I, I saw those all over the show floor, um, on Saturday advertising for the panel on Sunday. Um, and it, it looked great. She, she had told me she hadn't really messed around with Photoshop before and, uh, she did a really good job. I thought it looked really cool. Um, but then from there, you know, if you remember back to my TFCon preview episode, I I had basically said that, you know, I could sit in the panel room all Sunday. Um, I didn't, and I'll, I'll get to that in a sec. But from there, from the stop motion panel, it just literally bled through 
into Flint Dilly talking about Transformers the movie some more, as well as uh, G.I. Joe and Sunbow. Actually, it was kind of funny, and um, it was spurned on by an audience question. But for a segment there, it just kind of became like Sunbow History Hour, uh, which was pretty cool. And that that actually kind of like... Uh, transitioned really nicely because that that was about the time that Ron Friedman showed up for the panel he was going to do with Flint Dilly. But basically, like that first part of that discussion was just them talking about G.I. Joe, um, which which was really cool. Um, and, but yeah, so, you know, they, they eventually transitioned and just kind of talked about Transformers the movie some more. It was uh, it was it was fun. It, it was a great conversation. Uh, but for me, though, it really wasn't anything new. I mean, I've seen both Ron Friedman and uh, Flint Dilly enough to have heard pretty much all the stories I need to. Now, that being said, I would also uh, recommend you should check out Flint Dilly's book, The Games Master. It is excellent. And you could check out Ron Friedman. Ron Friedman's book called I Killed Optimus Prime, so sue me. That is also available on the Amazon. Uh, But yeah, man, I mean, Midday Sunday was all about just kind of wrapping up the dealer room and the show floor. And I got to tell you, it is it's fun times going through the fan art area almost immediately having a uh, um, having a drink of whiskey. <laughs> I uh, I was feeling no pain. You know, you know, like that 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 initial buzz that kicks in when that first drink hits. Um, anyway, I I think that helped me loosen my wallet and lowered my inhibitions because like. I think I bought more from the fan artists in like that last run, that kind of charge of the light brigade, uh, than I did anywhere else the the whole weekend. You know what? I blame Apollo. <laughs> I blame Apollo because like, you know, she uh, uh, had DM'd me and uh, sent me a tweet and asked uh, asked me to pick up some Starscream stuff from Plushie's table. And, um, and, and just, you know, you know, very politely saying like, Hey man, if you, if you make it back to the dealer room, uh, could you grab me a couple things? And, um, but the cool part about the fan artist being in a row is I, I just did like the speed run and I could, I, I got stuff from pretty much everybody, um, uh, including plushy. I, you know, I grabbed, uh, grabbed some stuff for, uh, Apollo, grabbed some stuff for myself. Um, I got a, got a frog sketch from shape of metal as well as uh, Soundwave sketches, uh, from fist raid and a handful of prints from Deacon Shaw as well. Um, I, I got some other stuff too, but I don't have my haul in front of me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should do a video of, uh, of the full haul and maybe, uh, uh, maybe talk about some of those items. I'm not sure. Um, but anyhow, that, that was, that was actually the last thing that I did at the convention proper. That was kind of like the end of proper TFCon, uh, LA 2022, because, after that that speed run and and my friends were very patient while I was collecting my sketches and things like that, um, but uh, Johnny Utah took me and Yoshi and we went out record shopping. Uh, they're uh, they're both vinyl enthusiasts and well, 
I'm I'm along for friendship, but um, I ended up picking up a few things at uh, at Amoeba Records. Um, I grabbed a couple 3D movies as well as fresh copies of Metallica's Black Album and uh, Highway to Hell uh, to go uh, go with those 33 and a third books I talked about in my last episode um, that I read about those albums specifically uh, and. The ACDC book is just as good as the Metallica book. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, it was great stuff. Uh, you know, saw some cool shops, saw some cool stuff. The only thing vinyl I bought, and it wasn't at the record store, it was at the convention, I happened to get the last copy that Vince DiCola had on him of the uh, Transformers the movie score. Um so, you know, it, it was cool to grab that last copy and have him autograph it. And now I have the uh, the the score and the soundtrack on vol- uh, vinyl and uh, and it's all good. Um, but I tell you, by the time we were done record shopping, we were starving. You know how like there there's a window of time that's that that's a good idea to get lunch well, uh, we were on the wrong side of that window because it was like, okay, well, let's let's grab lunch after we go record shopping. Oh, snap. Well, we've been record shopping and and um, and now we're like not just kind of hungry, but really hungry. Um, but yeah, we, we were getting a little punchy towards the end there. Um, so I ended up reaching out to my buddy, uh, Jason Wiltshire, uh, who when... We met in at a at TFCon 2019. This dude, fascinating fella. He's one of my my favorite human beings. He uh, he lived in London at the time, but he was in L.A. for work and was able to come over to the convention. But get this: in in the intervening years, he has now since moved to L.A. and he's a local. So, you know, he knows a lot of uh, uh, the spots. So he uh, he recommended to us a place called the Smokehouse. It's directly across the street from the Warner Brothers lot. Um, in fact, you, you could actually like see the buildings and the water tower uh, uh, from from the street. there. super cool. We, we were expecting the Animaniacs to pop out at some point. Uh, but anyhow, this was like this old Hollywood steakhouse, you know, the kind with like the old timey photos all over the wall, you know, the thick leather seats, the curved booths, low ceilings, you know, so dark you could barely see in front of you. Again, very old Hollywood. But apparently George Clooney would bring the crew over for lunch back in the day when he worked on ER. So I guess that that's one of the more recent claims to to fame there. But um so me and Utah, we got uh, we got Manhattans because we're fancy like that. But when the server brought the drinks over, and and you know Manhattans are served up in a martini glass, we noticed the glass was only like half full. So we're we're sitting there, we look at the glasses, we look at each other, back at the glasses, and then back at the server. But before we could actually say anything, she she presented this um, this uh, uh, boat, I guess you would call it. You know, it's like a little tray filled with ice and it had a little flask filled with even more delicious bourbon cocktail. Uh, Very cool. Very classy presentation. That was really, really neat. Uh, The steaks were amazing. 
apparently the garlic bread at the smokehouse is world famous, supposedly the world's best garlic bread. Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> um, uh, the cheese topping was kind of more, it, it was dry, like, like a uh, Cheeto dust is, is the way I described it. It was like, like ground up Cheetos, not specifically bad, uh, but not necessarily the world's best either. Uh, but anyway, after dinner, uh, Johnny Utah, he dropped us off back at the hotel before heading home for a six hour drive back to Phoenix. Um, but I, I mean, after that, it's the last hurrah, uh, the final countdown. Uh, now, granted, the the group in the bar wasn't nearly as large as Saturday night. You know, a lot of folks took off right after the convention, but it was still a pretty great turnout. Um, uh, and and my buddy Jason, uh, who had uh, he he missed us at the restaurant, but he did rendezvous with us at the hotel bar, and he might have had a Cuban cigar for me while we hung out with Yoshi. Um, apparently, in addition to being a vinyl enthusiast, he's also a cigar aficionado. So, um, I had made poor choices back in 2019. I made better choices this time, and was was better for it but still that was uh that was pretty cool uh but one one of my favorite things at conventions is the unlikely friendships and connections so later on while we were hanging out at the bar um i i was at the bar with uh with jason and then um ryan king was there you know uh and he comes over he's talking to me i introduce him to jason the three of us are chit-chatting but after a while the the conversation turns to where it's more Ryan and Jason interacting and they're having like this deep discussion about vintage transformers. They're they're both huge vintage collectors and uh, they um, well, they ran into a little bit of disagreement about opening sealed vintage toys. And this um, and I, I would say that this goes way further beyond my box collecting legislation you know with like the studio series 86 line um come to find out uh ryan has a sealed g1 star saber and 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 jason in uh 2019 he uh I, i talked about this at the time like three years ago but he bought a sealed vintage black zarek uh, back in 2019 and opened it just right there in his hotel room. So so they kind of had a little bit of disagreement about how vintage toys should be treated. Uh, Ryan's perspective is like as soon as he snips the tape on that, he has taken one more uh, mint vintage sealed specimen, uh, one more example of sealed vintage g1 star saber out of circulation and jason's perspective is yeah they're they're toys play with your toys enjoy your toys um it's it's a box you know it's like what what kind of joy do you get out of having a box and ryan's response is like well the joy i have is that i have one of a very small dwindling supply of um a mint in box sealed G1 Star Saber. So, you know, so, so I mean, there, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have a dog in the dog in the dog in the hunt. Yeah, I guess. Um, 
but it, but it was just cool to uh, hear these folks who had never met each other before that moment and just talking deep about Transformers. I, I, I just I, I just think that that was really cool. Uh, but then that was uh, I, I don't know, man, that that, that was about it. Um, eventually, everybody clocked out, just kind of drifted. I, I don't even know what the time was. I don't, I don't know if it was even uh, 10 or not. No, I think it was about 10 now that I think about it. Uh, but um, hugs were had. Goodbyes were said. And that was it. That was uh, that was TFCon LA 2022 done and in the books. And unlike several others, because like I, I feel so bad, like uh, like Andrew Griffith had all kinds of problems getting home. Uh, Thomas Deere had all kinds of problems getting home. Uh, uh, poor Josh Perez. He uh, he got stuck waiting. Uh, so like I saw I saw on Twitter that like a bunch of folks had had troubles getting home. I, on the other hand, had no problem getting home. In fact, it, it, it's kind of funny. I, uh, I took the morning flight out of Burbank back to Seattle and basically um, I, I walked from the hotel to the airport. Shout out to Ryan for letting me know that the hotel was that close. Um, but anyway, I, it, you know, it's like it's like less than a 10 minute walk. I walked from the hotel to the airport and basically never stopped walking until I was on the plane. Cut it a little close, but uh, but ended up being okay. Basically, I walked from the hotel to the airport through security through the gate onto the plane. Um, and but you know, I talked about the weather, and it you know it was sunny, it was nice, it it wasn't specifically hot, but it was kind of warm. Um, I get back to the Seattle, pouring rain, cold, typical. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's uh, again, that's it. That's a that that's my TFCon. Now, before I wrap this episode up, uh, I, I I I put it out there on Twitter that uh, folks can ask me anything about TFCon, and I'll try to an- try to answer as best as I could. Um, so I'm going to answer those questions, but first, let's do some shoutouts. Now, I know I will not cover everyone I interacted with, so if I miss you, I'm sorry, but I do want to give a shout out, kind of run through the list of some cool folks they interacted with, starting, of course, with my buddy Johnny Utah. He was he was my errand for this trip, um, as well as uh, my pal Yoshi. Check out his fan fiction project, Transformers Reanimated, transformersreanimated.com. It bridges the gap between season two of the cartoon and the Transformers the movie. They're uh, comic book scripts that he writes with Greg from Unfunny Nerd Tangent, and it's all there for free. Um, I also want to shout out 80s Steve. Uh, he was the first dude who recognized me on the show floor. Um, I got to give love to the Icon squad, uh, Andy, Lita, and Maddie, West Coast represent. Uh, Lady of Wreck is as awesome in person as she is on Twitter. Um, I got to give it up for my PNW Transformers Collector Group buddies, Ryan King and Mahalo Mike Robinson, um, and all of the IDW artists that, um, that actually know me which is still kind of weirdly uh surreal but folks like thomas deer and casey collar levio ramadelli and andrew griffith it's it's like i said surreal 
to have that connection with these guys that like, oh, hey, Mike, how's it going? It's weird. And it was uh, it was great meeting uh, Tyler Blazinski also. Um, cool dude. Um, I got to give it up to Trish and Josh for keeping the riffraff out of the panel room. Can't wait for the eventual return of More Than Meets the Ear. But until then, you can check out their back catalog everywhere you listen to Mike Seibert Radio, including that episode I was on that I don't remember the episode number of it, but it was it was a little episode called Space. Space! And, you know, I, I also want to thank uh, Greg Berger and John Mashita Jr. and Stan Bush and Vince DiCola, uh, those uh, those cool folks, for autographing my Transformers the Movie poster. And uh, and for all of the friends that I hung out with in the bar and all of the the fan art I uh, bought from, um, you know, so I, I got to give it up for uh, uh, Jason Wiltshire, but uh, also, um, you know, a, a DJ, Patch, Wisp, uh, Bunny and her husband Ryan, uh, Rachel, uh, Patters, Jamie, uh, Plushy, Inalia, uh, Deacon Shaw, and uh, I, I don't know how to. That, so I, I looked on the bill and it's a uh, Z E K M. So I don't know if that's the person's name or if that's a acronym, but I bought some uh, uh, Starscream stuff from them and their art is awesome. But uh, Zekum, Zekum. Z-E-K-M, I don't know. Uh, but uh, finally, I want to give a huge shout out to the staff at TFCon for putting on another killer show. I know um, we as fans and content creators occasionally have uh, uh, criticisms of uh, TFCon, but at the end of the day, it is a damn fine show uh, put on by uh, uh, by some great fans. So, you know, it's a, it, it's always a great show. Uh, the next TFCon is Toronto. Uh, that is July 8th through the 10th, and they are celebrating 20 years of TFCon. And, of course, TFCon Chicago returns October 21st through the 23rd. Unfortunately, I sorely doubt I will be at either of those, but if you're able to go, I would recommend checking Checking those out now to your questions first uh my friends from the autopod decepticast asked um celebrity stalking and sightings now this time around i didn't necessarily have the bizarre unique encounters like when me and aaron had uh last year or last year damn it yeah tangent um it for like three days solid anytime we referred to tfcon 2019 it took deliberate effort for us to not say quote-unquote last year (laughs) so um anyway i think this is the first one i've slipped during this recording but anyway uh in 2019 me and aaron we um had lunch with michael horton the guy who played chip chase and then later on, we ran into David Mendenhall, uh, the guy who played Daniel in Transformers the movie, and just ran into him in the bar and drank with him all night. Um, so n- nothing like that this time around. Um, it like like I've said um, earlier, it was kind of a more mellow, subdued hang this time around. Um, sorry. Um, but I do have, speaking of Autopod Decepticast, I, I have breaking news. 
the Autopod Decepticast will be returning in the middle of April with all new episodes back with the elite trine of Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb. In the meantime, you can go check out the APDC Hiatus Cast. Uh, that was a series of episodes hosted by Ryan and features me and Michael Andrews, and we're talking about Transformers 2007, the uh, the first live-action Michael Bay movie. And that, that was great fun. That was a terrific episode, and you should definitely go check that out wherever you listen to Mike Seibert Radio and at autopoddecepticast.com. Moving on, Robinus Prime asked me if I messed around with uh, Vexo, with uh, that Vexo Promenon, that not Batman, not Transformer figure yet, um, and also asked how the MMC Deathsaurus looked in person and how it felt if we were able to handle it and if me and yoshi had a great time so working backwards yeah man it was the best time and it was uh it was cool hanging out with uh with yoshi um now at the uh at the mastermind creations table they did have test shots of that death stores out on the table they had one in uh robot mode and then they had one in uh in a, a chicken mode, um, along with uh, prototypes of eject and rewind, but we couldn't handle any of them. Uh, it was kind of like, look with your eyes. Uh, looks good, though. Um, not for me, but I mean, if folks are into what MMC is doing and they like that aesthetic and um, yeah, no, I mean, it looks cool. I'm not getting it, but yeah, yeah, it looks good. Um, now as for Vexo, I've, uh, I've messed around with him a little bit. Like I, I've put in like his, uh, wings to make it the, the bat wing. And, um, as I was showing it to folks at work, I discovered that the wings pull out fully. And if you pull the wings out far enough, you, you got yourself a Robert Pattinson batarang symbol that, you know, basically like it attaches to his chest and it becomes a knife. It's really dumb. Uh, but um, I mean, the the toy is awesome. The the knife batarang bat symbol thing is pretty dumb. But um, but I, I haven't transformed him yet. Um, and I think I'm still going to do an unboxing video. I've I've been busy the last few days. I'm hoping to maybe get that done this weekend. Maybe we'll see. Um, but I, I would really like to, I actually have an idea, uh, for, for, um, a style of video I haven't done before. So I want to kind of try to see if I can challenge myself, but, but yeah, no video content with Vexo is, uh, is coming. Um, Amber X asked me what it was like meeting John Bailey. Now, John Bailey is a, uh, a voice actor. He, um, uh, has voiced Optimus Prime. He voiced uh, Soundwave and Shockwave in the Bumblebee movie um, and has done a bunch of other stuff uh, on YouTube as well. Now, I didn't actually meet John Bailey this time around. I met him back in 2019. And uh, the prints that he had that he, he was selling for autographs, the artwork on that was of... Um, of uh, Bumblebee movie Soundwave, and the art was done by Andrew Griffith, um, who ironically enough was not at TFCon because he was up in Seattle for Emerald City Comic Con back in March of 2019. Anyhow, I I unframed that print and brought it with me 
this time so that I could get it double signed. So, um, you know, John Bailey had autographed it back in 2019 and I got Andrew, Andrew to, um, uh, autograph it this time around. So now it's double signed. But when, um, when I met John Bailey in 2019, he, um, he was kind of aloof and a little distant. Um, now, uh, several years later, he, he's lost a ton of weight and, uh, I mean, mad respect, good for him. And, and apparently he's got a new attitude and I hear he's loosened up and, um, but I, I did see him hanging out in the bar and he, uh, um, a couple different times, I think on both Saturday and Sunday, he was kind of hovering around with some of the groups that I was hanging out with. And all I can say is that he still comes across as aloof and distant. Now he doesn't know me. He doesn't owe me anything. I, I, um, but I, I never got a, Hey, what's up? Good to see you. You know, like, like, like the, the, the pleasantries that I got from literally everyone else I came into contact with, especially as the evening was going on and I was getting more, um, swishy, I guess for lack of a better term. Cause like I was just rolling up to people's, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, hey, we're Twitter mutuals, aren't we, buddy? I don't know who you're. Oh, hey, I, I, you know, I'm a podcaster from Seattle. And then it's like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, we, we are Twitter mutuals. Uh, so, yeah. So, but anyway, with, with John Bailey, that, that was none of that. Like, there, there was a few times where, like, he looked through me and would, like, move his head around to look around me. And I'm just thought that was really weird, but, um, but whatever. Uh, take from that what you will. Um, so Optimal Omega said, um, I'd just like to hear about the experience of interacting with fellow fans in person. I've never been to a convention, so that's what really interests me. Well, hopefully this helps the, this entire episode. But but speaking of first time convention going, I got a message from Josh Powell, uh, Jay Soups, um, and he was asking me for kind of a convention crash course, a uh, a TFCon 101 type of thing. And I'll um, I, I give you a little peek behind the curtain uh, because uh, that uh, that TFCon 101 that was actually kind of the beginning of this episode. I recorded for like 40 minutes. And then uh, ended up chopping it all out because I wasn't getting to the actual TFCon recap soon enough. Uh, so for an episode that says TFCon LA recap, it had better damn well get to some recapping. Uh, so what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to cut that out um, and repurpose it and uh, post that as a separate episode really soon. I don't know when exactly I'm going to do that, but... Um, I, I, I will do it soon. Um, cause yeah, man, I, I, I think a few, uh, first timers, uh, some first time convention goers, uh, were, were really kind of interested in, in kind of like some of the, some of the ropes and some of the logistics. So, um, I'm glad to help. I, I like talking about that kind of stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, Tyler Bozinski asked me what 
my drink of choice was. And I think that was inspired because like in that tweet I had put out like, yeah, man, I just ended up drinking and I don't, I don't know what, uh, what all you want to hear about. So, so if you hung around this long, this is uh this is what you're hearing about my drink of choice bourbon. Uh, so depending upon the setting or the time of day, I, uh, throughout the weekend, I went kind of up and down the cocktail scale, like from Manhattans and old fashions to Jack and Coke, or just, just plain neat, just drinking it straight. Had a couple beers too, but it was, it was pretty much exclusively, uh, bourbon based cocktails after that. I like Maker's Mark. I like Jack Daniels and I, I like, uh, Woodford for, uh, for the old fashions, but it, um, it, it, speaking of old fashions, though, it cracked me up. By Sunday, Sunday, Sunday evening, the block of ice that the bartender would was that was like uh, breaking apart for the ice cube for old fashions. It had melted and then refroze and then melted and refroze uh, to the point where it was so fused together that they couldn't actually bust off square chunks for the drinks. So they just ended up making old fashions with chipped ice, which for me, that's fine. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, uh, so around Seattle asked with Hasbro HQ being across the street, how many third party figures did you see on the floor? So the, uh, um, the Hasbro building that's uh, that that's across the street that's um that's apparently their media headquarters um i guess the uh the toy division is still in rhode island um and uh a quick aside from that so uh yoshi wanted to make it a point to get some pictures in front of the hasbro sign with some of the covers that he had printed up for transformers reanimated and i thought i thought that was kind of cool um so we did that so we so we found the sign that has the hasbro logo on it but yeah i think it's just i think it's just like um offices i mean there there's nothing front facing there's nothing for tourists to go to or to look at in fact uh there there's a there's a gate in front of the um we couldn't actually find a front door it was just kind of like a rolling gate for for a garage so um yeah kind of kind of nondescript there but but um but that being said you know it's tfcon and tfcon is third party territory um there was a good mix i suppose between uh third party and official but i would say that there was more third party than official as far as the retailers go not not necessarily the 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 dealers but like you know vendors like chosen prime ages three and up toy jojo and things like that yeah it was it was pretty much all third party some masterpiece but but certainly uh no shortage of unlicensed transforming robot toys um any figures you saw on the floor that you thought about buying, like those Mastermind Creations ones of the Decepticon Justice Division? Um, for me, nah. Um, but it, it's it's just that I'm not really into the the DJD, and I only kind of dabble in third party. Um, uh, Vexo was the only figure I bought. Oh wait, no, that's not true. That that's not the only toy I bought. Um, 
I found a Binaltech asterisk alert in a bag in the bottom of a bin for an okay price. <laughs> um, I, I probably paid a little too much for it. It it's in good condition. It's uh it's complete. Um, no, wait a sec. No, it's not complete. It's uh um the the driver apparently comes with two sets of legs and she's missing the stand-up set of legs so she can only sit in the car which is which is totally fine and you know i told myself i wasn't gonna get into vinyl tech and based upon the prices that i was seeing on the floor i'm glad i'm not i i picked up and put down a vinyl tech laser wave for 50 bucks sealed in a box and i i really want that that um that that sparkly glittery purple um and but i i'm, I'm not gonna pay 50 bucks for for uh, a vinyl tech um figure um but i i thought uh vinyl tech asterisk was you know kind of like that that's that's a weird curiosity line you know with like some weird toolings and weird character choices and so um I, I, I don't know I don't know where my collection is gonna go now that I'm done with vinyl tech and now I have this weird outlier um that that's like a die cast uh of the Subaru mold that doesn't go with my plastic alternator Subaru mold. So I don't know. Anyway, I'm getting far afield. Uh, but yeah, no, my my dude Aaron is all in on the third party stuff. He's got like a couple different versions of those DJD dudes and and seems to dig them. Uh, but I didn't see anything that really wanted to turn my head. Um, with the exception of, and actually now that I'm thinking about it, the, the, um, we all know I like Soundwave, right? And that um, that robot paradise, not fans toys, not sound wave, uh, acoustic wave. That's that's kind of calling my name. But I don't know if I can spend two hundred and fifty dollars for a action figure that turns into a rectangle. Now, the this also kind of seems to be what what my weird mania is too because i am on the lookout for a masterpiece sound wave i i would really like an mp13 and uh one of the things that i i think i'm looking for is the hasbro version because it because it comes with more tapes and i saw one on the floor for 250 bucks didn't buy it so i i kind of got into this weird I, I I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but it's like, well, shoot, if I'm going to spend 250 bucks on this, I may as well spend $250 on that. So, but since it was $250, I ended up spending not that on either of them. So walked away empty handed. Um, anyway, so uh, how much was it to get into the convention? Do you think it was worth it? Will you go back? Uh, will you go back again? I mean, the question is, uh, 55 bucks for a weekend pass. Yes. And yes. <laughs> um, Ed thinks a lot asks, what was your favorite piece of artwork? Now that's a hard one. Um, I saw so much terrific art. Um, so actually, oh man, my, my favorite piece of art isn't actually mine. It's not something that I got commissioned. It's not something that I even own. Uh, but I, I think my favorite piece of art that I saw at TFCon was uh, from Thomas Deere. And he did a really cool piece of art 
celebrating the release of the new director's cut of Rocky IV. Uh, It's kind of depicting Ivan Drago imposing over Rocky, and the whole composition of it is very similar to like Mike Tyson's Punch Out. You know, with uh, like Stallone from the back looking very small and uh, Drago looking uh, uh, huge and menacing. But what makes it cool, though, is that uh, Thomas had brought the original art with him um, and he brought it over to Vince DiCola for him to get autographed because, you know, obviously uh, Vince DiCola did the score for Rocky Four, um, And I don't know. I, I just think that's a cool story. I love that story for him. Um, and, uh, um, speaking of ironically enough, um, so Lita asked me, are there any standout moments, things you wish you would, you would have seen, but didn't, it can be panels, toys, etc. Um, oh, let's see. So, uh, toys I was looking for that didn't find, I, I still, I'm still short two members of my Super Sentai Lambo Ranger squad, um, and I blame Andy for that because <laughs> um, I've I, I've become obsessed with the Siege Sideswipe mold and all of the various colors of the rainbow that it's in. I have all of the Siege Sideswipes except for the Netflix version, which is the you know it it's dirtier. And then I'm missing the G2 Deco, which is part of the, um, oh gosh, what is it? It, it was that Amazon two pack with uh, Skytread. I think it's some like covert assault team or some such like that. But basically, it's it's the Siege Sideswipe mold, but it's done in black and red, and the colors are very reminiscent of how Sideswipe looks in Generation Two. Um, so, but the only place you could get that was in that two pack. I missed it the first time around because I wasn't into the sideswipe mold at that point. And now, um, after missing the window again, when like that set was kind of like on discount from Amazon, um, now it's, now I can't find it for anything resembling a uh, decent price, and I don't really want to spend a whole lot for it. Same thing with the Siege Sideswipe. Like, I I saw, I don't know, at least a dozen of them from a couple different vendors. They were all charging 45 bucks. I am not going to pay $45 for for a, a, a Netflix Siege Sideswipe. No thanks. Um, especially since I want it loose. So I'll, I'll just keep looking on eBay. I'm sure I'll find it at some point. But those, those, those were toys I was looking for that I couldn't find. But in, in terms of other stuff, um, I, I came to this convention with the agenda of being flexible and going with the flow, you know, knowing that there would be choices that could potentially keep me from doing stuff that I would otherwise have have done if I'd have been by myself as opposed to hanging out with friends. But it was always my plan to choose friendship and to enjoy it with no regrets. If I ran into somebody I knew, I stopped. I visited, I talked, and I didn't rush, which is something that's very, very new for me. I've always had the feeling of being rushed and being on the go, 
whether I have somewhere to go or not. Um, I at conventions, I I just I can't sit still because I'm always in this state of feeling like I was missing something, like like a constant state of FOMO. But this time though, at a, at TFCon LA 2022, I specifically made the choice to change my perspective and to go where the wind took me. And I have no regrets about any of my choices. But that being said, um, I am O for two on visiting the scum and villainy cantina. It's uh turns out it's about a 15 minute drive and that's just a little too far when the hang at the convention is good and popping. Uh, my wife suggested I go there for lunch, but turns out they don't open until six. So that kind of added a level of difficulty and there. Um, and, and I guess in terms of like other stuff I missed, uh, uh, there were other panels I could have sat in on that I probably would have liked. Um, like, like I missed the remembering Jack Angel panel and my, uh, my buddy Ryan King was telling me about it later, uh, later that night at the bar. And he said it was good. He said it was okay, but it, it, it uh, it got really sad at a number of times, which I mean is, is understandable and appropriate, but like um, uh, somebody told a story about how interacting with Jack Angel literally saved their life. Like they they were contemplating suicide, and and uh, and Jack talked them out of it, uh, which which is incredibly special and incredibly moving. Um, there was also a part where the, like they were kind of uh, I I don't I don't know who all was on the panel, but like at one point. Um, they asked uh, John Mashita if he had what what his memories of Jack Angel were and what he wanted to talk about, and it was kind of like, yeah, I didn't really know him very well. I didn't really work with him very often, but from what I understand, he was a pretty good guy. So, um, um, anyway, that but I mean, yeah. So I mean, I mean, panels. I think there there's other stuff that I could have seen, but, um. I mean, at, at at the end of the day, I um, I choose friendship, and you know, I I I believe that things happen for a reason. So, like for example, if I had stayed at the convention on Sunday after uh, Johnny Utah and Yoshi left, I wouldn't have gone to dinner with my friends, and that has more value to me at, at this stage of my life the the personal connections the relationships especially now especially after two years of pandemic and lockdowns and quarantines and and all of the rest and all of the other things that have kept us from interacting as human people i choose friendship um so yoshi asked me at least count how many pictures of food did you take five <laughs> I took I, I just went through my phone five. I took five pictures of food um, from different meals across the weekend, which isn't bad considering I was there from starting from Thursday night uh, through Monday morning. Um, but then I also just realized I didn't post any of them. So maybe they didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that's about it. That about covers it. 
And I think that's about it for this very special bonus length episode of uh, uh, TFCon LA 2022 uh, recap. Um, I, I, I want to thank you so much for hanging out with me and for being my friend. But more than anything, I want to thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can always follow me out on social media. I am at Mike Seibert Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm pretty much equally active on all of those platforms. And you can become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group and tune in for the Mike Seibert Radio podcast live stream happening occasionally on Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook Live. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you'd like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Wrapping up TFCon LA 2022, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Seibert Radio. And until next time, tell all or one, make good choices. Make good choices.